Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. What up everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Vineyard. Uh, if you came in late, I'm Adam, I'm the pastor. Glad you're here. Baptism Sunday, a lot of, lot of joy in the house. It's awesome. Uh, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to continue. This is our third week in a series uh, all about discernment and decision making. The title of the series is What's Your Decision? By the way, that's Ignatius of Loyola on the screen, in case you didn't know. But the title of de- today's message is There's a Way to Do This. There's a Way to Do This. And I just want you to know, I just want you to know that this message in particular, it's more teachy than it is preachy. In fact, I got a lot of slides today. And what we're going to do, which is not my, it's not who I am. In my soul, I'm not a slide guy. I'm not a teachy guy. I'm more of a preachy guy. Uh, But we're going to do some teach today. And I'm going to say something I normally wouldn't say to the church. Uh, This would be one of those messages that you probably need to pull your phone out and pull your notes app up. And you're just going to take a few notes because we're we're going to go over some stuff today that you may not need today, but you're going to need this. Because what we need when we're talking about discernment or decision making is we need a framework. We need a framework. And if we don't have one, we'll just go with the muscle memory of like my family history, my family of origin, the way I feel that particular day. It'll be something that is happening maybe on the inside of us that we're very unaware of that could be very good or maybe very disastrous. Uh, And uh, we don't have time to go into that today. But what I do want to give us is a very solid framework for making decisions in a particular way. But first I want to talk to you about houses and decisions. Houses and decisions. Uh, Talk to me for a second. What are some of the tools you need to build a house? It's actually not a trick question. Somebody said a hammer. Nails, wood, but tools. Talk to me about tools. Saw. So hammer, nails, saw, what else? Plans, you need plans. A level, you do need a level, that's important. Like your eyeball's not good. Somebody said something over here. A tape measure, very, very, you need one. What else do you need? You need a sawhorse. You need help. Yeah, sometimes the biggest tool you need is a person. That's why you have kids. Those are my tools, look at them. Yeah, but... But how many of you know you need lots of tools to build a house? You need lots of tools to build a house. There's no one tool that can build a house. There's not one. You need lots of tools. And when it comes to discernment and making decisions, there's not one tool that will get it done. You need lots of tools in your bucket. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to put a couple extra tools in your tool bucket for discerning and making decisions. And here's the thing that I like about this with respect to houses and decisions. They're, they're similar and not only that you need lots of tools to make them, but how many of you know once you build a house, you what? You live in it. 
And how many of you know that when you make a decision, you're going to live in it? Amen? And, and so what you need to do is you need to make sure you got like a couple decent tools around that could really help you. All right, so moving right along. Uh, when it comes to decision-making, uh, Ignatius would say prayer is key, and everybody in the church would say, well, yeah, no duh. But how many of you know that you can have somebody tell you to pray, but if you don't know what to pray, it doesn't help? Okay, so Ignatius would say there's three kinds of prayers that are really important, and I think I have a slide for that. Yeah, three kinds of prayer. Uh, the first way you're going to pray is you're going to pray for enough light. Uh, the second thing you're going to pray is to know God's will. And the third thing you're going to pray is to be open. Uh, enough light, uh, to know God's will, and then to be open. The start of prayer when we're making big decisions uh, is to have enough light to actually make the best decision. And that's actually our prayer. It's like actually to go to God and say, God, I need you to give me enough. You, your word is a light from my path. I need enough light to make this decision. And then secondly, we want to know God's will, which is just another way of saying like, what's God's opinion? right? We, we are Christians, and so we assume that God is in our lives. Uh, we know that the Bible says that we're the sheep of his pasture, which means he's caring for us, and that means he has an opinion, and so we'd want to know it. Like, God, could you just share with me your opinion? But then this third one is actually really big. Ignatius would say, it's really important to pray, to be open to all the options that are actually on the table. Pray to be open-hearted, uh, to not live in fantasy land about options that are not available. Like if you're going to make a decision, if it's about discernment, we want to have a heart that's open to the options that are really there and not be stuck in fantasy land about things that are not there. Uh, Ignatius would call this indifference. So if you, if you begin to read a little bit about uh, Ignatian discernment, Ignatian talks a lot about indifference. And indifference doesn't mean you don't care. Ignatius would say indifference means... Uh, you are not letting your internal attachments, either the ones we know or don't know, uh, our internal muscle memory, our history, our past, we're not letting even our preferred option to be the one that trumps what might be the right option or even the one that God is leading us to. Does this make, it, does this make sense? Like, so one of the things that you have to pray right up front when you're making a decision is uh, uh, enough light, I wanna know God's will, but actually, God, would you give me a heart of indifference? Like if there's three options available to me, if they're not in fantasy land, God, would you begin to work on my heart where I'm not overly attached to something that you may be leading me in a different direction? That's actually a powerful prayer. It's the prayer of indifference. Uh, I've spent a lot of time on the Vineyard USA executive board. And one of the things that Phil Strout led us in for four years, uh, every time we would sit in executive decision mode, for the vineyard, all 600 of them across America, the first thing Phil would always pray is, God, would you give this room the heart of indifference? Why? Because we don't want to have our own attachments steering the bus, right? We want to let God's way begin to permeate and percolate through. So this is how you pray. You pray for enough light. You pray to know God's will. Then you pray to be open. Then Ignatius would say there's three kinds of discernment. Uh, number one, there's the discernment that's like, no doubt about it. That's not Ignatian language, that's mine. But the no doubt about it stuff is, how many of you have ever received, uh, an, um, I don't know, an opportunity, and as soon as you received it, you're just like, oh, man, this is for me. Like, I, I feel God in this, 
this, this is in keeping with my personality, my temperament, the things that God has been doing in my life up to this point. It's like, and you just know, right? So maybe one. Uh, the second kind of discernment involves what Ignatius would call spiritual movements. And that's really what we were talking about last week when we were talking about consolation and desolation. Y'all remember that? Like, this is really in the area of your emotions. So sometimes your discernment needs to be focused in this area of spiritual movements. How many of you have ever had some options come to you and like the one option is good and then the other option is good and depending on the day, you look at option A and you're like, man, that's the one. And then the next day you look at option B and you're like, oh man, that's the one. And you do flip-floppy, right? How do you decide when you're in flip-flop mode? Well, you need to go back and listen to last week's message and you really need to dig into things that are really allowing us to discern through our emotions uh, and it has to do with consolation and desolation. Like, what are the things that are bringing me life? That'd be consolation. What are the things that are connecting me to God and to others? Ignatius would say, always, always choose from a place of consolation to a place of consolation. And then being able to name the desolation, the things that take me away from people and away from God and put me in anxiety and put me in fear and doubting. We want to be able to name those. So that's another kind of discernment. Then the third kind of discernment is like, Calm deliberation. Uh, how many of you have ever had some options in front of you and they're all good and none of them really fire you up? You're just like, oh, I don't know. They're all good. Anybody ever have that? It's like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can live with that. I can live with this. It's good. This is another kind of discernment. And this is actually what we're going to talk about today. How do you discern when your emotions aren't like the thing that's leading you? When it's, when it's not maybe a slam dunk obvious. There's several things that are good. You're trying to discern like, where is God leading? What is best? What is in keeping with who I am and my own values? But I'm not really like cranked about any of them. What is it that I need to do next? And so today we're going to do a deep dive on calm deliberation and we're just going to do some bullet points. Is that okay? All right, here we go. Decisions in calm deliberation. Number one, identify the decision you got to make. That sounds really simple, right? Um, more likely, this is big decisions. This is not like, do I go to the new Mexican restaurant or do I go to one of the seven other ones that are in town? <laughs> you don't need this for that. You just go to the new one, guys. Go to the new one. They have booths that have like leather on them. Some of you haven't been there yet. Yeah, these are for the big decisions. Like, uh, am I going to move? Am I going to get married? Do I marry this person? Do I retire or do I keep on working? A career change, ministry calling. Yeah, identify the decision. Uh, it's got to be practical and real, not a vague idea, right? Like if you want to actually do discernment and decision making, you got to be making decisions about things that are practical and real, uh, not vague. Uh, the thought I should do something to get out of this dead-end job is not an issue for discernment. Feeling like you're stuck in a dead-end job and want to do something different, you still haven't concretized it. That's not a word. You know what I mean, though. And that's why it's language. An actionable decision sounds more like this. Am I going to retire or work for another two years? You, you have to make the decision concrete. That's a better way of saying it. Adam, you're a preacher. Come on. 
Am I going to go to grad school or prepare for a new career? Uh, number two in this little section of identify. No, go back. Thank you. I'm, I'm confusing you. Sorry, Cody, you're doing great. Uh, number one, you have to make it practical and real. Number two, you have, to, you, have to, you have to have the right to make the decision. Like if you're going to do discernment, you can't be deciding about things you actually don't have the right to decide about. Like how many of you know that you can want to go, you can be like, I'm going to the FBI. But unless the FBI invites you to be a part of the FBI, you don't have a decision to make. You can be like, I'm going to the FBI. That's, that's awesome. But no one at the FBI even wants you around. So you don't have the right to make that decision, right? Or you could be like, well, I'm going to marry that person. And the other person's like, well, that's news to me. I don't even like you. <laughs> so that doesn't work. Uh, and then number three, you have to have all the information. Uh, sometimes, we get this stuck, sometimes we get stuck in discernment and decision-making because we don't actually have all the information, right? And so investigation is a part of identify the decision. Number two, Cody, thank you. I'm sorry. I should have done better. I'll do better next time. You got to state the choice concretely. So you identify it, then you state it. And it could be uh, an X versus non-X choice, or it could be an X versus Y choice. X versus non-X is like, uh, I'm going to go to grad school, or I'm not going to go to grad school. Or an X versus Y would be like, I'm going to stay at my current job, or I'm going to start a new business. Do you hear the differences there? But you want to actually state it, and you might want to write it down. So you want to state the choice concretely. Uh, also, Ignatius would say, state the choice in a way that most appeals to you. Um, put, it, put it in a way that actually is most inviting to you. Okay, Cody, number three, pray for inner freedom. This is probably the, again, probably the biggest thing we have to learn when it comes to prayer, discernment, and decision-making is this thing called praying for inner freedom. And it's something we'll do again and again, especially as new information comes to us when we're digging in for decision-making. Uh, can we imagine living with either one of our choices? Uh, can, we, can we get free of our internal personal attachments or our inner vows and values about what we believe is good and right? Uh, so here's, here's what it means to pray for inner freedom. Like one of the things I've learned about myself, and it took years to learn, is that I have an internal vow that is very, very strongly connected to loyalty. So this is, a, this is a high personal value for me. I didn't know this for years, right? Um, but I have, a high, I have a high value for loyalty. And my value for loyalty goes two, two ways. Uh, I internally expect it from other people. And I'm gonna, if I'm in with you, I'm in all the way with you. But when it comes to decision-making and discernment, Unless I'm, unless I'm praying for inner freedom and unless God is actually showing me, Adam, you actually have a really high value for loyalty. How many of you know that you can get stuck with people or with situations that God is actually trying to get you out of or lead you away from? Or sometimes God is just saying, I want you to take a right, but it feels to me like I'm letting go of something over here. And it's just my internal value of loyalty. Loyalty is a good thing until God says to let go right? But until you can name your internal attachments, you're going to have a really, really hard time deciding through them. So this is why we have to pray for inner freedom. God, would you give me inner freedom? Part of this means pray for the light to know what's actually happening in your life. Like what are the things that animate me, right? There we go. 
Most of us also, I'll just put this out there. Most of us are also like highly influenced by what I call the American success gods. And here's what that means. Everybody in the room wants to be known as somebody who's killing it, you know? We all wanna be ballers. And, and so if we're, if we're praying for inner freedom, we have to know that this exists in us because we've been culturally conditioned for this. And so if God is maybe leading us to make a decision that feels like losing, we'll go, oh, I'm in desolation. No, it may not be actually desolation. That might actually be consolation, but we've been culturally conditioned to, to receive anything that feels like losing or loss of status as a negative when it might actually be a positive. Does this make sense? So you have to pray for inner freedom. Otherwise you'll get stuck with the American success gods. Number four, gather all the necessary information. This means like get the facts, but then, then you go one level deeper. Like if you're thinking about a job, you'd want to you'd know, do I have to move? Can I work remotely? How much does it pay? Is there insurance? When do I start? Who's on my team? Do I get to choose my team? All, get all the facts. But if you're going to do discernment, how many of you know you, actually, you also have to begin to get all of the information, not just about how it's going to affect you or what you're being asked to do, but you have to get the facts for everybody that your decision is going to affect. This is, this is actually very important. Very important. So if you're married and you're personally thinking about a big life decision, gather all the necessary information means you, you might want to figure out, is this going to affect my spouse? And, and this is going to be some, does this going to affect my children? Uh, is this going to affect my church? Uh, does this touch my friendships? Does this touch any previous commitments that I've made? Gather all the necessary information. Number five, pray for inner freedom again. <laughs> Why? Because you just got more information, right? So when you get more information, it might stir some stuff up. You're like, wow, I'm really excited right now. I'm really excited. What do you got to do then? You got to pray for inner freedom because that excitement that you got from the information, it might, be the, it might be the leading of the spirit or it may just have been that the information touched one of your muscle memory buttons. I need inner freedom. Pray for inner freedom. Number six, make a list. Make a list. One, two, three. But here's how you make a list. Here's how you make a list. Um, it's not just pros and cons, but you're going to make a list about all the advantages and disadvantages of the thing being decided. So we'll say it like this. If your decision from the previous steps, once you make it concrete, if it's an X versus Y decision, so it's like, am I going to go to grad school or am I going to stay at my job? X versus Y. You need to make a list that, that pulls out all the advantages and disadvantages for each thing. Advantages and disadvantages of going to grad school. Advantages and disadvantages of staying at your current job. Put it on paper. And, and, don't, and don't, like, don't get hung up trying to make a pretty list. Just like what hits you. Work through it. Be quick. Like sit down, give yourself 20 minutes because it'll actually be pretty obvious. It's amazing what you know already. Make a list. Don't evaluate. Just, just write. Number seven. Evaluate the list. Isn't this good? What seems important? Like, like the things your list brought up, what one or two things seem most significant? 
And here's what you want to look for when you're making your list. Is there, is there a theme inside of your advantages and disadvantages that are actually speaking to one another? Oftentimes, if you'll just write your advantages and disadvantages, your pros and cons for each thing about the decisions you're making, there will be a theme that emerges, and that theme might just be the leading of the Spirit. What values emerge? What values emerge? Maybe your whole list kind of boils down to one thing. I've seen this happen before. Like you write everything down, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like one of the things that's popping through advantages and disadvantages is how much I love uh, working with people. Oh, huh. And you might need to sit with that for a few days and go, is this the leading of the spirit? Like God, God has made me to be somebody who loves working with people. And then all of a sudden you look at your list and you're like, oh, this one option is going to lead me to working with more people. And this other option is going to begin to shut down working with people and things are beginning to, oh, does that make sense? Things will become more clear. Number eight. Number eight. Test your list. Test your decision with reasoning and imagination. Uh, And here's what Ignatius would say. Uh, Imagine that you've settled on one of the options. Imagine that. Now begin to apply your imagination to living inside of that option, like for a day or two. Uh, Not only that, but imagine a conversation between you and a close mentor, somebody that you respect. Imagine that you've settled on a decision and you're telling your mentor that you've made the decision and why. Uh, Maybe you would even role play this out loud in your car while you're driving. You would say, well, I've made this decision, and here's why I've done it. And, and listen to yourself say the words, does it, does it make sense? Like Ignatius makes a really big deal about this. Does it make any sense in your imagination as you're, as you're settling in on that decision? How does it sound when you role play it in your mind? But then bigger than that, how do you feel? How do you feel when you're imagining that you're living inside of it? Like, is it, is it bringing up consolation or desolation? What's happening? Okay, number nine, make a tentative decision. You've been praying. You've been asking for inner freedom. You've made a list. Now you make a decision. And then what you want to notice here is, are you unsettled in some space? Uh, beyond the anxiousness that maybe comes from something new, uh, being really unsettled after you've sort of like landed on a decision Being really unsettled is usually a sign of three things. Unspoken oughts or shoulds. So if you've like, if it feels pretty clear, like this is the decision, this is the direction I need to go, but I still feel really unsettled, there may be some unspoken oughts or shoulds that I'm living with, right? Like another name for that is just attachments, right? Like there could be unspoken oughts or shoulds. Uh, it, it could be that, that, that it has surfaced a character flaw in me. I wish I had more time to go into this. I'm running out. I'm going to keep moving. Or it could be I'm, just, I'm still stuck on a selfish desire. Ignatius makes a big deal about this. That as we begin to settle into our decisions, all kinds of stuff will come up. Okay, number 10. Confirm the decision. Uh, and here's what Ignatius would say about confirmation. He, like, once you're settling in on a decision, look for consolation. Look for consolation. That's your confirmation. Uh, notice how excitement begins to replace anxiety. 
Anybody ever decided to do a new thing and you're like a little nervous and then as you begin to live into it, even if you're just living into it in your imagination or in your mind, all of a sudden excitement begins to grow? Yeah, that's consolation. That's God beginning to replace fear with hope and the old things with the new things. Look for consolation. Look for peace and joy. Uh, notice that fear of failure and disappointing friends has subsided or, or, or maybe notice this, that you're willing to risk both what? fear of failure and disappointing others in order to do what seems most right. Like that's one of the ways you know you made a right decision. You're like, I am willing to fail. Like I actually kind of don't care. Like I'm willing to fail and I'm willing to disappoint a few people because something in here is leading me. Does that make sense? That's often a sign the spirit is at work. Okay, number 11, make a decision even if you're not certain. Uh, sometimes we have an overwhelming sense of consolation, but sometimes uncertainty remains. Uh, and in fact, uh, most of us are going to experience some uncertainty anyhow. And, and here's what Ignatius would say. That's okay. And here's why it's okay. Because we don't know the future. We don't know the future. Uh, by the way, sometimes you make a great decision and it doesn't mean that everything's going to work out perfectly. Or it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I mean... Uh, Jesus made great decisions and got killed on the cross. Uh, Paul got, made great decisions and got thrown in prison. Like, it doesn't mean your path is going to be easy. It just means it's right, and it's the one you can live with, and it's the one that you will experience God with in the end. Does that make sense? So you just make a decision, even if you're not certain. You don't know the future. Yeah. Um, here's another way to kind of, like, deliberate through that. Uh, if there's no don't, then do. So if at the end, if, if at the end, the only thing you have is, well, there's no don't, then you do. Why? Because we have to, we have to live our lives in motion. How many of you know you can't steer a car that's not moving? Yeah, it's really hard to, it's really hard to steer your life if you're not moving either. So sometimes what you just have to do is like make a decision and just go with it. And then if you need to course correct in a few months, well, then course correct. Okay. All right. That's how you make a decision in calm deliberation in 11 steps. Hope you took notes. I think a lot of you did. Now, here's what I want to do because I'm a preacher. I want to give you good news. <laughs> I want to give you at least one note of good news before we tie this thing up here for a minute. Uh, some of us in the room, some of us in the room have made some good decisions. Uh, some of us in the room have made like maybe a handful of good decisions. Uh, some of us just have a life history. You've just been that You've been that blind pig that found a couple acorns. Like if you were honest, it wasn't even that you were all that smart. You just found some acorns. I, I found an acorn. I, I've totally done that. Her name is Heather. Like we were talking about it a few weeks ago. Uh, I, started, I started dating Heather when she was 15. How many of you know I didn't do any of these decisions? I was just running on like, Internal mojo and pheromones, you know? That's just, that's just like, that's just God's grace. That's all that is, right? But some of us in the room have made some good decisions and like you're, you're relatively happy and things have gone fairly well for you. Uh, you know, high five to you. Uh, some of us in the room have not made good decisions. Uh, and in fact, we've tried really hard, but it seems like everything's kind of like gone sideways or, or maybe some people here in the room We've actually made some disastrous decisions. Maybe, 
Maybe, maybe we found ourselves uh, stuck in addiction or maybe we've blown up our family or, or maybe we've uh, never succeeded in a, in a million ways. Maybe we had a good career and we blew it up or maybe we had a great family and we blew it up and we're kind of sitting at the bottom and we're wondering like, man, now what? Well, well, here's the good news for you this morning. You are a human being and you can change. This is one of the greatest things about being a person. Being a person means that you can change because God is always leading the sheep of his pasture. He says in John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice and I came to give people life to the full. So even if you're here and your life has not gone great, or even if you're here and you've tried to do the right thing, but it hasn't worked, or if you're here and you feel like you're at the bottom, the good news this morning is you're not dead and you can change. You're still in God's sheep pen and he will lead you if you listen to him. Right? This is the good news. The good news is it ain't over. Cue Lenny Kravitz. I should have played it. If you're from the 90s, you know, everybody else is like, what? That's the good. Lenny still looks good with his shirt off. I don't know how he does it. I saw him the other day. I'm like, he was riding a horse with his shirt. I'm like, what is this guy? Lord Jesus. Hey, if you're on the worship band, come on back up. Here's what I want to do this morning. Uh, we just, we want to make some space for people. We want to make some space for people to hear and know the voice of God. In the room. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray. And then we're going to sing. And then uh, if you need some ministry this morning, we'll have some people up front who want to pray with you. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.